0: The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up to Jonah. Jonah chapter one. Uh, If you were here last week, I talked about uh, this idea of one anothering. And we, we talked about how after Jesus came and he died on the cross for our sins and he rose from the dead and he ascended to heaven, before he, do that, before he did that, he set some things in place. And one of the things was a mission for us. We're called to go into the world, preach the gospel, and make disciples. And, and part of what he, he used to do this was he, he also set up the church and established the church. And what we see in the church in the book of Acts is a group of people that are coming together and they are one anothering with one another. They are living life together. They're not isolated. They're not, you know, doing their own thing. They're all coming together. They're in community with each other. They're connected to each other. They're opening up their lives to each other. And we see that God added to them through that. And and so what we talked about last week is this is the attitude we need to have as a church, that we live in a world where it's very easy to get isolated. It's very easy to kind of go into our little holes of what we're doing and disconnect But God hasn't called us to that. He's called us to to not only gather like this as a church in these rows, but to actually get out from from this to connect in homes, to get into circles and connect with each other. And we talked about the importance of getting into a small group. And our small groups are gonna be launching in just a couple weeks. We would love to see many of you get involved. In fact, we had a leader meeting last night. had a bunch of new leaders come and we're super excited about our fall small groups. It's gonna be really good. Uh, Today, I wanna talk to you about kind of a second part of the calling that God has has given us uh, as, the, as the church in kind of the last days here and what we're called to do. And, and it comes from this word belonging. Uh, in fact, the, my message today is called belongingness. If you're taking notes, belongingness. And, and I'm going to talk to you about what it means to create this environment where people can belong. Now, I don't know about you, but I had never heard of the word belongingness until Tuesday of this week. I'd heard of belonging. I had heard of belong, but I'd never heard of belongingness. But it's an actual word, and what I discovered as I was studying this is is there's a lot of research that's gone into this word and and secular research that points to this idea of what it means to belong. Okay, so here's belongingness. Here's the definition of belongingness. Belongingness is the human emotional need. Notice it's a need. It's It's not a desire. It's not just a want. It's a need, a need to be an accepted member of a group okay so here's the idea all of us are born with this thing inside of us that that we want to belong to something of significance we want to belong to something other than just ourselves and and so I actually discovered this week there's all this this scientific research that's been done of this idea of belongingness, and what they've discovered is people who belong are healthier and happier, and people who don't are more unhealthy and, and more messed up. In fact, this is this is amazing. Uh I, I found this stat this week it says that low social interaction or people who don't belong to other people, they're not connected, they're not doing life with other people. It can be compared to the damage caused by smoking fifteen cigarettes a day. Isn't that crazy? Being an alcoholic or not exercising. So like not being connected to other people, not belonging is bad for your health. And, and what's amazing is, is that these researchers discovered that uh, out of belongingness, we find uh, it, it helps us to survive. It, it helps us to have a stronger immune system. In fact, it says this, it says belonging to a group actually helped people feel better who were sick. So they took, this is amazing. They took people who were like in the hospitals uh, people who had been struggling with some kind of illness, and they, they put them in a place where they, they got connected to some form of a group that they could really relate to, a group of people they could be in community with. And what they discovered is just by being connected, by having a place of belonging, these people began to recover and get better, uh, sometimes even getting like, completely healed of the issues they were dealing with, just from being in a situation where they belonged with other people. Pretty amazing. Uh, It says this, that belongingness gives meaning to life. It can boost your self-esteem, boost your immune system, and give you a sense of, this is amazing, a sense of identity. It goes on to say, without belonging, people cannot identify themselves as clearly, thus having difficulties communicating with and relating to their surroundings. Now, that idea may sound kind of new to you in a way, but as I was thinking about this week, you know, we can all, I think, relate to this in some way or another, because most of us have had a situation where we find ourselves within a group of people, and we feel like we're on the outside looking in. And, and the, the thing that came to me this week was like, uh, maybe, maybe you got you went to a new school, or you went from elementary to junior high, or you went from junior high to high school, and you have that first day, and you are in the cafeteria, and you go through the line, and you get you know your manwich and your your jello and your little plate of, sh- of slop and-, and then you have your tray and you turn around and you look at the cafeteria and you are in a place now of where in the world am I going to sit? Can anybody relate to this? And you're looking for a place to belong. And there's all these different groups of people in the room that have found a place of belonging. You've got the preps and you've got the athletes and you've got the band geeks and you've got the nerds And, uh, you've got like the people that wear black and stuff, the gothy kind of people that you're just kind of like, okay, I don't really want to belong to those people. You got all these different people and, but we want to belong somewhere, right? We're all looking for this because it's a need. In fact, I was thinking this week about how like, even in my, my kids, I've got three kids. My oldest is nine. My youngest is three. My middle kid is six. So They're all three years apart. And in our kids, we find this to be true, that our kids want to belong. In fact, right now, my older two kids have kind of this camaraderie between the two of them because they're in closer to similar places. You know, their motor skills are a little bit more the same. Their intelligence is the same. They're both in school. They both know how to read. But my younger one is not there yet, and her motor skills are not as strong. And so, but what we find is she wants to connect with them. She wants to belong to their group. She wants to be a part of what they're doing, but she doesn't fit. And most of the, the tragedy that happens in our home, the issues that happen in our home are from her trying to fit into their group and for them not wanting her to belong to their group, right? And, and But this is how it is. We all have this innate thing inside of us that says we want to belong. We're looking for this belongingness in our life. And the problem is, here's the problem, is that sometimes we, we pursue this, this need that we have in the wrong way. And, and we'll, we'll pursue it in the wrong kind of things. We'll pursue it in the wrong kind of people. And it can cost us our reputation. It can cost us our future. It can do damage to our life. But the reality that me and you live in this morning is this. God created us with this desire to belong. This need to belong. But here's, here's how it works. It was supposed to be filled by him. And he's really the only thing in our life that can truly fulfill that desire, that need that we have in us to belong. Only he can really fill that hole in our life. Everything else is not going to fill the hole. Only Jesus Christ. The Bible says this in Ephesians 2.19. It says you, let's say this next word with me, belong. Let's try it again. Belong in God's household with every other Christian. That's where we belong. (laughs) That's how it was supposed to be. God desires for us to belong to him, to be connected to him, to have relationship with him, to know God, and to be connected to one another, to have relationship with one another, walking hand in hand with one another. That's the calling God's placed on our life. And out of that is the best version of you. That version of you that's connected to God, walking in relationship with him, walking in relationship with one another is the best version of you. Because here's the thing, belonging always leads to becoming. If you're taking notes, write that down. Belonging always leads to becoming. What you belong to determines what you become, or in other words, you become what you belong to. So, but but here's the thing, we sometimes, as people and as the church, we get it backwards. And we think that in order to belong, you have to first become. And I think part of this comes from the way it is growing up. Take it back to the cafeteria setting again. In order for you to belong to the athletes, what, what needs to happen? Well, you need to be an athlete, right? You need to be a part of that so then you fit into that group. In order for you to be a part of the band team or the band group or the band geeks, you need to be able to play an instrument, right? And then when you can play that instrument, you can belong to that group. And so we kind of take that same mentality, I think, sometimes, and we'll, we'll relate it to the church that way. That there's people out there that we'd love for them to belong, but in order for them to belong, they, they kind of need to get their act cleaned up a little bit. They, they need to fix some of their issues, but the problem, here's the problem, and this is a major problem, they can't. See, people outside of Jesus Christ, they can't fix their problems. The sin issue cannot be fixed outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Think about this. All of us in here, if you're saved, you know Jesus today. you got the Holy Spirit inside of you. God's given you some tools to help you overcome in this world. And yet we still struggle with sin, don't we? It's still an issue for us. How do we expect people in the world who don't have those things to get their act together? They don't have the very power they need in order to do it. So we have to change the way we think when it comes to this. It's not about... You. God wants us to allow people to belong so that they can become that's what god wants for us in fact jesus spoke to this idea in matthew 9 verse 9 jesus is walking along one day it says this as jesus was walking along he saw a man named matthew and then it goes on to say sitting at his tax collector's booth okay so i've talked about this before at new song church but tax collectors were bad people okay they were, they were very bad. They stole from people. They treated people wrong. So here's kind of how it worked back in the day. Like, you don't like tax collectors now. You would have really hated them in Bible times, okay? So let's say that the government could take 10% of your earnings. Tax collectors would come along to collect, and they would not only take the 10%, but they would demand like 10% more or 5% more, and you had to pay it. And they would pocket that extra percentage that you took and just keep it for themselves. They, they just stole from people openly. And people knew they were doing it, and you could do nothing about it. And it's interesting, in the Bible, a lot of times when you're reading about, like, sin, it'll list, like, sin and tax collectors, like, right beside each other. But it's, like, it's like so bad. It's, like, there's sinners and there's tax collectors. Like, it's, like, they're so bad. They're, like, worse than sinners. They're so bad. Okay, so this is Matthew, right? And notice what it says. It says he was sitting in his tax collector's booth. So here's what, basically, he was sitting in his sin. Jesus comes up on him, and he's just sitting right there in the middle of his sin. So what does Jesus do? Jesus says, follow me and be my disciple. So Matthew got up and followed him. Now notice what Jesus didn't say. Hey, Matthew, I know you're sitting here in your sin, and, and you're a tax collector. Listen, I want you to follow me, but you've got to clean this up you got to get your act together. Clean this up, and then you can follow me. No, he just says, hey, follow me. Come on. Because Jesus understood something we have to understand. In order to become, you have to belong. Jesus knew, if this guy belongs, if he becomes a part of what I'm doing, he'll become who he needs to become. Exactly. And that's what, that's what Jesus was speaking to. And here's the thing about Matthew. We don't know when Matthew stopped collecting taxes. We don't know when that happened. What we do know is when he started following Jesus, And what we do know is because he started following Jesus, he stopped collecting taxes. He became a disciple, and the very book of the Bible that we're reading about him was written by him, Matthew. He became a disciple. So as a church, we we have to shift our way of thinking, where sometimes we look at people and we think, well, you know, those people need to clean it up, and then they can come be a part of it. Because see, here's the problem, is sometimes we have that mentality, and because we have that mentality, the world gets that vibe from us. And they think, in order for me to go to that church, man, I got to get it together. I got to get my life together. But here's the thing: I want you to understand. New Song Church, listen. New Song Church is not for perfect people. And thank God it isn't, because if it was, none of us would be here, right? Because none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. We all. Continue. That's why next week we're starting a series called "I Have Issues." You got them too because we all have issues. We have stuff we're working through. We haven't arrived yet. We're on a journey with God, and he's walking with us, and he's talking with us, and he's sharing and helping us to, to conform to his way of living. So we gotta invite people to the party, invite people to belong so that they can become. Now, here's the main kind of big idea thing that I wanna drill home today, main point for the day, okay? If you're taking notes, write this down this morning. Part of you belonging here is so other people can belong. Part of you belonging here is so that you can vi- invite other people to come and belong. Uh, God's brought you to this place because you have a sphere of influence around you. People in your world that need to know Jesus, people that are lost, people in your workplace, people in your schools, uh, people in your neighborhoods, people at your gym people at the Starbucks that you go to, people at restaurants that you frequent. There are people in your life that you know that don't know God, and they need to. They don't belong, and we're called to invite them to belong so that they can become who it is God has called them to become. And when you look at the Bible, what's amazing is you start to study Scripture, you see this pattern all throughout the Bible of God looking down and finding people who weren't perfect, and, and putting a calling on their life and giving them a sense of belonging in Him. And as they stepped into that calling, they became something great in Jesus Christ and in God. And through Him, they were able to change the world around them and able to invite other people to belong to God, who then later became something great and significant for God. It's all through Scripture. It's what we're called to do. Now, I want to flip over to Jonah, because Jonah is an interesting kind of story of someone who God put a call on his life to invite some people to belong, and he was a little reluctant with this. And what we can see in the story of Jonah, I think, is some stuff that sometimes if we're not careful, we can kind of fall into the same kind of mindset. So Jonah chapter 1, it begins by God coming to Jonah and saying, Jonah, I want you to go to this group of people called the Ninevites, and I want you to minister to them. I want you to tell them that they need to repent. And Jonah says no. (laughs) And Jonah takes off running in the other direction. In fact, Jonah chapter 1 verse 3 says this, but Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Okay, so God says, Jonah, I want you to go minister. And he gets in a boat and he heads the other direction and runs. Now, before you start getting all judgy about Jonah you need to realize what Jonah was facing here. The Ninevites were bad people. I'm talking bad people. They were like, like the best way I know I explain it is they were like ISIS on steroids. So imagine, okay, imagine that God comes to you and he says, I want you to go minister to ISIS. How are you going to feel about that? A little scary. Uh, these guys were bad. In fact, um, in, in history tells us that, that groups of people, nations that they would come against, Would rather than be captured by them, if they were fighting them, they would commit mass suicide because they were so bad. Okay, they would do stuff like this they would take people that they captured and they would skin them alive, cut off all their skin, they would bury them in a hole up to their head where only their head is sticking out, they would cut off their eyelids. And face them towards the sun. Imagine, see how the sun is so bright. Imagine, you can't close your eyes. Their, they would become blind. Their eyes would dry out. They would release animals to, to torture them and mess with them. And then right before they would die, they would cut off their heads and they would stack them up outside of their houses as monuments to their fish gods that they worshipped. So literally, like if you were going to Nineveh, you would find houses and outside, like they don't have gnomes, they have piles of heads. Like they were just for bad people. And I think probably the worst thing that they would do. Well, I don't even know if I should say this. What do you think? Are there any kids in here this morning? This is pretty bad. I don't know. What you? Okay, I'll just go ahead and say it. All right. All right. Uh, this is gross. Let me. Uh, yeah. Okay. So they would take people and they would put them in a room and they would force them to watch entire games of soccer sick, right? (laughs) Horrible. I'm kidding, obviously. But but my point is, you guys were so freaked out. What is he going to say? He's already been talking about skinning people. How bad can it get? It gets worse. Soccer. gets bad. My point is, Jonah doesn't want to minister to these people. And, and, you know, you can kind of look at it and say, well, there's kind of a good reason. I mean, I'm sure he was afraid, afraid of what could happen to him. The Bible scholars think that there may have even been some, some times in his life where he's experienced this, maybe had family members who, who got caught up in, by Ninevites or people in his life that they've seen the kind of punishment that can come out of these people. So, so Jonah doesn't want to minister to them. Uh, and, and, there's a, and you'll see later that Jonah, it, it's not just that he's afraid, he actually doesn't want these people to receive redemption. He doesn't want him to experience this. So what does he do? He runs, and and it says that he goes to Tarshish. Now, what you got to understand about Tarshish? Tarshish is twenty five hundred miles the other way. It's a year of traveling away. So this dude is running from these guys. Okay, he's running. So you know the story. He gets in a boat, and the storm arises. And the storm is crashing against the boat and, and the people on the boat are afraid and Jonah's down in the bottom of the boat asleep and they finally come to him and they're like, what's wrong with you? What's going on? And they're trying to figure out what's going on. They realize that, you know, Jonah comes to them and says, I think this is my fault. Throw me off the ship. And they don't want to do it. And then finally they decide to do it and they throw him off the ship. And when they do, the waves stop. Everything calms down. And Jonah gets swallowed by a fish. Jonah, verse one, or chapter one, verse 17, says that now the Lord had prepared, notice God prepared a fish for him, a great fish, to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, maybe you find yourself here going, I don't know if I can believe this story. How could Jonah survive in a fish for three days, three nights? Uh, God. So let's just settle on that. The Bible's true, and God made him survive in a fish for three days, okay? So there you go. Now skip down to verse, or skip over to chapter 3. In chapter 2 of Jonah, we have Jonah praying and like uh, kind of crying out to God. And then in chapter 3, it says this, verse 1, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Now I'm, I'm very grateful for that verse. Because I don't know about you, but I need a second chance sometimes. Sometimes I haven't always been, you know, quick to do exactly what God tells me to do either. God is gracious, and he gives a second, third, fourth, fifth chances. Verse 2 Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. And the Bible goes on to say that Jonah arrives there, and he begins to walk around. He's telling everybody that they need to repent, the judgment is on the way, they need to repent, turn to God, and something amazing happens. They do. <laughs> now, here's what's amazing everybody does. Like everybody turns to God and, and repents and changes their ways. It says this in verse five. "So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then the word of the, of the king uh, the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose of his throne and laid aside his robe and covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And then the king declares this fast, and, and the whole country, everybody in the country, turns to God. And repents. and it says this in verse 10, Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil ways, and God relented from, his disaster, from, di- from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. So God sees these people, he sees that they repent, he sees that they change their ways, he looks at them and he says, he, he, they, they escape the judgment that was due them because they were willing to commit to God and commit to God's ways. Sound familiar? <laughs> Sounds kind of like the deal that we have with Jesus, right? That, that we are sinners, that we have a judgment that awaits us, but because of Jesus, we can, we can ask for forgiveness, we can turn to God, we can turn from our wicked ways, and we can receive forgiveness instead of judgment. That's what happens with these people. And, and what's amazing is Bible scholars believe that this is one of the greatest revivals that has ever taken place in human history. That this message that, that, jo- that Jonah was able to give, the response to his preaching is probably the greatest response to a message that's ever happened in all of human history. And Jonah almost missed out on being a part of it. And what's more amazing is after it happened, he wasn't happy about it. It says this in Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. What displeased him? That these people got saved, that they got their life turned around, that God gave them grace and mercy. And he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, I love this, because this is just like a total tantrum that he's throwing here. Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Basically, Jonah's like, God, you're so nice. <laughs> Why you got to be so nice and forgiving? Ugh, isn't that annoying? Man, <laughs> this is like his attitude here. Now, here's the question. How, does, how did Jonah know that before it happened? Here's how he knew. He had experienced it. The Bible talks about in 2 Kings that the, chil- the children of Israel, who Jonah belongs to, Jonah is a prophet to the children of Israel, the children of Israel had turned from God. And they had been worshiping idols, they had been doing things that were not in the will of God, that, were just, that did not please God, and they found themselves in a place where they deserved judgment. But God comes to them and he uses a prophet, and the prophet's name was Jonah of Amotai, son of Amotai, the same Jonah we're reading about. And God gives him a word telling the people that God is going to forgive them, not because of who they are, not because of what they've done, but because of who he is, So Jonah has seen God be gracious and loving and forgiving. He's seen this happen, and it was great when it was for him. It was really cool when it was for him and for his people. But when it was for other people, not so cool. He didn't want it for other people. And here's the problem. This is the danger that we can face sometimes as Christians, as a church, is we love that God saved us. We love what he's done for us. We love the community that he's created. We love that we can come here, and we can worship him, and we found a community of people, and we we like all this, and we just kind of want to keep it just like this. And we don't really want those other people coming in, because they're not like us. They weren't here from the beginning. They weren't in the school like some of us were. So we kind of say, well, you know, this is, this is for us. We, we like it just the way it is. In Jonah 4, verse 4, Jesus, or God says this to him. The Lord said to him, is it right for you to be angry? Basically, God's saying, dude, what's your problem? <laughs> what, what gives you the right to be so prejudiced? Why is it okay for you but not okay for them? Because you have some kind of perception in your mind of how much worse they are than you. And I think if we're not careful, sometimes we can get this same kind of mentality. We can get a little bit of this Jonah spirit. And I don't think it's that we necessarily look at the world around us and say, we don't want you to become Christians. We don't want you to get saved. We just don't know if we want them to invade our space. And there's just things that come up that just say, I don't know that I'm ready for this and I don't know that I really want to invite people to belong because that could, that could cause me to feel a little uncomfortable. In fact, I got, I got five things for you this morning, five reasons why I think sometimes we don't invite other people to belong. Here, here's the first one, Fear. Fear. Like Jonah, we're afraid. Now we're not afraid that somebody's gonna, you know, lop off our heads or make us watch soccer games. We're we're afraid of what people might say, what people might think. What if they ask us a question and we don't have the answer to it? So we get a little bit afraid. And we don't reach out, we don't step out there, we don't give that invite, we don't tell that person about what God's doing in our life. We find ourselves kind of pulling away because fear of man. But the problem is, if we don't get out there, if we don't share the gospel, no one will. If we don't invite people, they won't get invited. The Bible says this in Romans 10, 14. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Listen, God needs us to carry his voice to this world. God needs us. Maybe you're here today and you think, well, I just believe in the providence of God. I do too. We're it. <laughs> we're the providence of God. We're the plan of God. God's called us to go into the world and preach the gospel and invite people to be disciples, to, to help people. That's what we're called to do. So we can't be afraid. We've got to get over our fears. People need Jesus. They need to belong So that they can become and they're never gonna belong unless we invite them to belong. We belong so others can belong. Here's number two, doubt. Why we don't invite people to belong sometimes is because of doubt. And here's here's what I'm talking about when I say doubt. Okay, here's what I'm talking about. A doubt of that person can get saved. Sometimes we get these, and and here's why, because we know them. Sometimes we we get this perception of people in our world, people in our life, people that we, we know, or at least we think we know, and, and the reason, one of the things that keeps us from reaching out to them is this idea or this lie that we believe that the enemy's placed inside of our head that that person can never change. When we believe that, we're believing that somebody's actions, somebody's life is more powerful than the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen, we're not called to walk by doubt. <laughs> right? We're called to walk by faith. faith. And so here's what faith says. Faith looks at a person in the middle of their sin, like Jesus did with Matthew. and says, I see where you're at, but I also see where you can be with Jesus. And that's how we need to look at people. You may have someone in your life, it may be your mom, it may be your dad, it may be a brother, a sister, a, an employee, an employer, someone in your life, and you look at their life right now and you see the actions of your life and you're like, man, I, I just don't know, I don't see it. What if you invite God to show you, say, God, give me a picture of them that you, how you see them. Show me how you look at them. Give me faith so that I can be willing to step out in faith and reach that person. Here's the third reason why sometimes we don't invite people to belong. Blindness. Blindness. Now, when I talk about blindness, um, I'm talking about a blindness that sometimes we can have with the reality of eternity. That there is a heaven and there is a hell. And sometimes we get so caught up in this world that we live in this physical world that we forget that there is an eternity that every soul is going to step into. And they're either going to be in heaven or they're going to be in hell. And, and the Bible tells us, it's real clear, that apart from making Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, you spend eternity in hell. And there are a lot of people going to hell. And I think sometimes we're blind to that. We kind of forget. Like, there is an etern- eternity forever is at stake with people's lives And yet we're afraid and we have doubts. We gotta get over that junk. People need us. I don't know about you, but I don't wanna miss out on these opportunities I have on this time, this short period of time I have on earth that that God's given me to speak into somebody's life to help hopefully change their eternity. I will, I'll take my chances with them getting mad at me. I'll take my chances with them mocking me. I'll take my chances because at least I know that I gave them a chance to know God. We got we got to get over that stuff. Here's number 4, reason we don't sometimes invite people to belong, apathy. Apathy. We we just kind of fall into ruts in life. We lose passion. And we just kind of go through the motions. It's very easy to get apathetic in life where you just kind of fall into these ruts of life where we just kind of live for, you know, our, the daily grind of our job and our kids' lives and, and, you know, the next coming football season and the next coming season of that te- television show that we like and that's kind of what we're living for and it's just a, it's kind of a pathetic excuse for life. We're apathetic. We lose our We lose our passion. The Bible talks about this in, in uh, Revelations chapter 3. Revelation speaks of these seven churches. And the last church listed is a church called Laodicea. And Laodicea is a picture of the New Testament church. That's us today, okay? We're, or I'm sorry, the, the end times church, and that's us today. We're living in the time when Jesus is so close to coming back. This is the end times that we're living in today. It's close to being when Jesus returns is where we're at here. And so, this church, uh, I'll see if this relates to you, what, what, what God says about the church. Now, this is God talking here, okay? This is God. He says, so, because you are lukewarm, or in other words, apathetic, he says, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. <laughs> That's God talking. And he's looking at a group of people, and he's just saying, you guys, just, let's get going. Because you're just kind of going through the motions, this makes me sick. It's disgusting. God wants us to be passionate. So how do we get passionate? We gotta stir it up. The Bible says this in 2 Timothy 1, verse six, says that we need to stir up the gift of God inside of us. Notice, we stir up the gift of God inside of us. Now, I'll relate it this way. I was meditating on this, thinking about kind of studying this scripture one day, and I just, as I was thinking about it, I just thought of yogurt, right? You guys ever had the yogurt that has the fruit on the bottom and the yogurt on the top? You guys know what I'm talking about? So if you just get that yogurt and you peel off the lid and you start eating it without stirring it up, it's nasty, right? But if you stick your spoon down in there and you stir it up, what happens? Well, it gets full of flavor, right? Well, in the same way, God has, has placed stuff inside of us and we have to stir that stuff up and when we do, our life becomes full of flavor, and that flavor is something that the world desires. The Bible says that people will taste and they will see that the Lord is good. And God's called us to be that. He's called us to bring out the God flavors in this world, but we have to stir that up. How do we, how do we stir it up? We stir it up by daily getting in the word of God. We stir it up by daily lifting our hands and worshiping God. We stir it up by daily thinking about Jesus and looking for opportunities and getting passionate and choosing to be passionate about the things of God, about the lost people. That's what we're called to do. We stir up the gift of God inside of us, and the world around us sees it and goes, man, that's what I'm talking about. I want to be a part of that. That looks good. Passion. You know, think about this. kind of like this. I heard this saying one time. I'm trying to remember if it was said right. Everybody stops to watch a house burn down. <laughs> right? If there's a house on fire, I don't know about you, but if I'm ever driving around and I see smoke, I'm like, whoa, where's that at? Start heading that way. <laughs> we were in California a couple of weeks ago, me and Sarah, and there was this fire that was going on in, in, uh, in Southern California. And we're driving around, we're like going to this restaurant and I've just found myself being like, hey, Sarah, can we go see the fire? And she's like, no, we're not gonna see. We just said we wanna see a fire, right? Here's what I'm saying, we need to be fire. We need to have some fire in us. People wanna see the fire. Yep. People wanna see the fire. We gotta get, we gotta burn up with this stuff. We gotta get excited. We gotta care about people. We gotta have some passion. Get over this apathy stuff. And here's the fifth one, Number five is our vision just gets off. We just get the wrong vision. Yeah. Please, 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 don't ever come to me and, 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 and make these statements because it's not gonna go well. <laughs> don't ever come to me and be like, Pastor Josh, I just think that this, is, this has gotten big enough. This is good. I don't think we should grow anymore. I just don't see it. I don't see the church being big. I think that it loses a lot of its, you know... It's ability to connect with each other. Listen, I I want us to stay as a community, but listen, I want us to grow big because here's the thing. Bummer for the people going to hell with that mentality, right? (laughs) This is big enough. Sorry, guys. You guys can just go to hell. Not cool. And let me just tell you this. If you don't like big church, you're going to hate heaven. Because heaven's a big church. We're going to be partying with God, worshiping God. There's going to be a lot of people there and we're going to be a part of getting them there. So, we're called to do. Okay, so, so Jesus is not just for us. We're not here to just keep this to ourselves. We belong so others can belong. There's a story in, in Luke chapter 4 where there's a group of people and they've been hanging out with Jesus. And Jesus is getting ready to leave them. And as he's leaving them, they don't want him to leave. It says this in verse 42. Now, when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place. And the crowd sought him and came to him. Now, look at what it says. And tried to keep him from leaving them. They didn't want him to go. They liked it the way it was. They liked that they could get up every day and they could go sit in the same place. And he was going to be there. That this was their seat. And this was their row. And everything was the same. And it was the same group of people. And they had this little club that they liked with Jesus. And they liked that. But look at what Jesus says. Verse 43. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities because for this purpose I have been sent what was the purpose of Jesus other people more people more people hearing this message more people having a relationship with him more people getting connected that was the heart of Jesus Christ and listen church that's got to be the heart of us you know, we have a, a saying here at Newsong. We, we, in fact, we have these on cards. And as part of our campaign of, of reaching people, we say, we've saved you a seat, right? Please, if you ever come to New Song Church and you walk into the room and you have a regular place that you're used to sitting in and you come in and somebody that you don't recognize is sitting in your seat, please don't come up to them and go, hey, uh, dude, get up. Because listen, I'm gonna come to you and I'm gonna say, hey, you need to get off the boat and get swallowed by the whale because that ain't gonna fly here. If somebody's in your seat, here's what you need to do. Lift your hands and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We, we've saved you a seat means we've got a seat waiting for you. We've prepared a place for you, and we're willing to get our butts up and move so that you have a place because we belong so others can belong. You guys follow me? That's what we're called to do. As I was thinking about this this week, I kept going back to that that idea of the cafeteria and of you know the people that are standing there. And, and I... I don't know about you, but I just can relate to that feeling of being in a place before and feeling like I didn't belong. Looking at a group of people and everybody looked like they were connected and I didn't, I didn't have a place to belong. And there's people, listen, there's people and there's this belongingness inside of them. It's a need and they're looking around and they're looking for a place to belong. And I think sometimes as a church, here's what we've done. We've, we've got our seat and we're happy with our seats. And if they come to us and say, hey, can I sit with you? We'll say, okay, yeah, I guess you can, you can sit with us but we got to change that. The attitude is not, hey, when they come to us, then we'll make a place for them. The attitude for us needs to be looking for them, watching and seeing those people who are like this and going to them and saying, hey, come sit with us. We got somebody that, that sits with us that's amazing, that you're going to love. This guy can meet all your needs. This guy can bring freedom to you. This guy can change everything. That belongingness that you have inside of you that doesn't seem to get filled, this guy can fill the void. He can fix it. Come sit with us. We've got a here have my seat that's the heart we need to have as a church people are lost and they need to belong and if we will invite them to belong jesus will show up and he'll minister to them and he'll show up in their life and he'll bring freedom to them and they will become who they're called to be they'll become like some of you who have become something after you belong to this church we got to invite them we belong so others can belong would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord, we thank you. God, you're so good. Thank you for belonging to us. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to this earth, you put on skin, you wrapped yourself in flesh so that we could find freedom in you, so that we could, through you, find a way to belong to God. We're grateful for that this morning, Lord. And we love you, and we thank you for the opportunity we have to help other people come to know you, to invite other people to belong like we have belonged so they can become who it is you've called them to become. And Lord, we ask you to use us. I want to invite you to to think about something, ask this question to the Holy Spirit, ask this question to God this morning, which is this, what are you saying to me today in this, Lord? Maybe for some of you today, God has reminded you of somebody in your life that doesn't know Jesus, that maybe you've given up on. Maybe you believe some of the lies that the enemies put into your brain, that that person can't be saved, they can't be turned around, and so you've quit, you've quit kind of reaching out to them. You've quit making an effort towards them, and now you're, you're realizing today that's got to stop. You've got to see them through the eyes of faith. See them for who, the way God sees them. Maybe you find yourself here today, and you know that you're called to invite more people. There's people in your world that God is calling you to reach out to. We're going to be people who invite. We're going to be people who welcome other people Listen, the the theme for next week at Party in the Park, here's the theme, you belong. We're gonna meet some people next weekend that are sitting in their sin. And we're gonna say, hey, come, hang out with us. Come be a part of what we're doing. Come be a part of what God's doing. We know this guy. We know this God, his name is Jesus. And he can turn everything around for you. I wanna invite our altar ministry team to come up at this time. If you're here today and you have a prayer need of any kind, we would love to pray for you today. Maybe you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Maybe you you sit here today and you don't know that you belong to the family of God. You've heard me talk about eternity. You're hearing me talk about heaven and hell. And you're not sure if you were to die today, you're not sure what would be the next step for you. You don't know where you would go. I want you to know today you can leave this place knowing. You can know that you're right with God. We can pray with you and help you to get right with God today. So if that's you today, don't leave this place with uncertainty in your heart, don't in your mind. We'd love to pray with you today. So if that's you, here in just a moment, we're gonna go into another song. And as we do, we're gonna stand up together. And if you need prayer for anything, you can come down, pray with us. You wanna get saved. You need healing in your body. you uh, you got a need in your life. You need wisdom. You need anything. Listen, if, it, if you care about it, know this, God cares about it. Because he cares about you. He loves you. So if it matters to you, it matters to God. So whatever that may be, don't leave with a burden today. Come and place it at the altar. We'd love to join our faith with yours and pray for you. So would you stand with me this morning? Lord, we thank you for this amazing day. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for the opportunity we have to invite people to the table, to invite people to belong. Lord, we ask that you would use us in a mighty way. Give us boldness. Give us wisdom. Help us to see people the way we need to see them. Help us to invite people that need to be invited. And I pray that you would draw all people to your altars that need prayer this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.